I definitely love what I do and I'm very passionate about what I do, whatever business I'm in, whatever brand I'm stewarding, I love it and I'm passionate about it, but that is not the same thing as my passion and my purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe there's something to be said for following your passion and whether you do that in your career or whether you create an outlet for that passion that you're balancing against your or in parallel with your career, I think it's an important thing to do for me what I have found is that I'm passionate about things like this. I'm passionate about being able to take the things that I've learned and experienced and being able to openly communicate them to other people for them to do something with it. Welcome to another episode of Ad Blocking with Jason Dwayne Smith. The world around us is, well, different. We're living in a time to test all of our boundaries and beliefs. It's not always easy. And sometimes, talking about ads is the last thing any of us want to do. Ad Blocking is a podcast, a safe space, where real people, real marketers, talk about everything but advertising. Stories of growing up, coming out, falling down, and looking in. Underneath it all, we're all just humans. This week, I speak with marketing legend, Karna Crawford, head of consumer media and activation strategy at Verizon Communications. Karna spent the last 20 plus years thriving in a number of successful and important marketing roles. From her days at Miller Coors, Coca-Cola, JP Morgan, and others, to her time as a mentor and guide to many young people in our industry, Connor serves as one of the most inspiring representatives of the heart and soul within marketing today. In our discussion, Connor and I cover a range of inspiring and fulfilling topics. Mindfulness, the importance of purpose and intention in our professional and personal environments. And most importantly, the endless pursuit of learning and stabilizing your own personal foundation. Karna truly is someone that I and many others look up to in the ad industry. And I couldn't be more thankful for the opportunity and time she allowed for this unforgettable discussion. I hope you all enjoy. And with that, let's dive in. just thank you for spending time with me today seriously um happy new year to you why don't we start with just some 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 funda fundamental things which is maybe just me a little giving you a little bit of perspective on like why i started the podcast maybe yeah you know, a lot of that would be awesome ask me about that and maybe that'll maybe help connect our meeting when i met you virtually which i want to talk about and then how it actually kind of congratulate yourself for inspiring someone like me to do something that I hope brings joy to people. Um, but actually when we met, it was over the summertime and uh, there was a pretty interesting dialogue amongst a number of leaders in our industry from so many backgrounds about 
you know, change management and, and thinking about the, the safety and health of all humanity in the United States in the wake of George Floyd's uh, incident with uh, law enforcement in the United States. And gosh, seeing the marketing community come together was great. And I just remember being on that call and Carnival, while we're still getting to know each other, I gather that you choose your words very carefully and you participated with a lot of intention. And many of the things that you talked about and some of the views that you expressed and some of the care that you expressed contributed to some information and um, engagement I gathered over the summer from people like you that inspired me to create a space where we don't have to have a closed door conversation about things that matter to us as humans and as parents, as husbands, as wives, as brothers and sisters, as daughters and sons, we can actually create some open doors for others in our industry to actually hear our vulnerability and and maybe kind of even grow from it and feel more yeah. comfortable in who they are as they start to grow in their careers. And you've had a great one. You've done some amazing work. So I just thought that you would be a perfect person to go on this journey of sort of vulnerability and discovery. And, and I just want to thank you for, for taking the opportunity with me. Thank you so much. No, thank you. And happy new year to you as well. It's uh, definitely a, a fresh start. Everybody has a fresh energy coming into the new year. And that's pretty exciting. Well, it's um, the fresh energy is actually a great place to start. You know, um, I think I started to go into seriously after that conversation that we all had, Karna, that was like mm -hmm. the trigger. You know, there's an igniting point and a catalyst for at least for me to shift my mindset and my intention and where I want to go and how I want to spend my time. And it was a big part of the fresh energy for me. And it started earlier in the summer. So maybe you like to start the conversation with staying on that fresh energy topic. How has all, I don't, I can't pinpoint anything about the year 2020. There's been so many things, but if you were to reflect on a year that we've just completed and some call 2021, 2020 part two, um, <laughs> <laughs> but as you reflect on, uh, you know, the moment that we're in right now, how has it affected you? Yeah, uh, I think there there are a couple things about 2020 that for me have been really key. Everybody talks all the time about just the stress, how much it's changed them, just the, the, the way that we've had to kind of pivot our lives, pivot our jobs, et cetera. For me, what's been most important is the aspect of self-reflection and self-reassessment. Um, I am, as you can imagine, you know, typical kind of type A leader. I pour all of myself into my job, into my work, et cetera. And one of the things that really came and rang true for me this year was this look at how I'm balancing my energy and how I'm balancing my time. And how much I've always known that my family and my friends and that aspect of my life were important to me, but I didn't necessarily prioritize my energy and my time aligned with that importance. And one of the biggest things that came out of 2020 for me is needing to focus more of my time and my energy on the things that matter the most to me outside of the job and prioritizing how I care for those things, how I uh, manage the time that I put against those things, et cetera, um, because they're not guaranteed to be there tomorrow. 
and I don't want to look back at myself and my life or whether it's, you know, uh, at my next uh, milestone birthday or whatever it is and question what was I doing with my time because I have control over my time. Um, so I think for me, that's the most important thing. The other thing I will say about 2020, you know, if you look at it as a professional, I've never, ever, 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 ever had so many conversations about race, society, all the things that just have a tendency to be kind of taboo in business conversations now being openly discussed, openly dialogued and I think it has really changed and elevated the role that we as black professionals have in society and in business. I mean, if you look on LinkedIn and sure my LinkedIn is cure, ends up being auto curated based on the people that I know and the topics that I like, et cetera, but I've still never seen so many instances of women getting elevated, people of color getting elevated, people on boards, people in senior positions, like so much happening and so much dialogue. And it is just, it's, it's amazing to see. So that's, that's the other big thing of 2020 for me. Well, I think it's a really good observation. It just kind of reminded me of, uh, you know, Rashad Tabakawali kind of talks about Mm -hmm. these phases of like your career and your life and yeah. Something about that, Karen, I've tried to apply that to my mindset of like, have I accomplished what I need to in each of these sort of early, intermediate and sort of development stages? And in life, I'm watching these pictures and I'm like, I think I've taken full advantage of what life has had to offer me. I don't think I've left much on the table. And then it started to make me think about, well, as I start to go into whatever you call it, my more senior aspect of my life, you know, what is my intention? You know, what is my purpose, you know? And where do I really want to spend my time? Because you know this, as a professional, we have to say no, sometimes we have to because there's there isn't enough time in the day to manage your goals, those of the people you care about. And I don't want this to sound pessimistic, but people that may want to intrude on that pie of time. And being able to prioritize what your purpose is, is important. So I wanted to maybe grow on that question with you, as you talked about reflecting on a year and prioritizing, how has it made you think about maybe the word purpose per se, as you move into the next phase? So first I'll tell you, dude, I'm terrible at it. I'm terrible at that prioritization. It is my intention for 2021 to be much better at it. I feel like um, too often I don't say no enough and then I'm not delivering on all the things that I'm saying yes to at the level of depth that I want to because I don't say no enough. Um, and, and, And I am strategic with what I do, but it's just like in business, right? Things may be on strategy, but that doesn't mean they should make the list of priorities because you still only have so many resources. I only have so much time. So anyway, so I I say all that to say, you know, for me, purpose has been something I've been thinking a lot about over the past few years, not just 2020. 2020 has just moved it into a clearer focus for me. And, you know, there's been a lot of debate and dialogue recently about should you follow your passion in business or 
Should you do what you're really good at because you will become passionate about it? I'm going to be honest. I have come to the realization of uh, what I am great at. I definitely love what I do and I'm very passionate about what I do, whatever business I'm in, whatever brand I'm stewarding. I love it and I'm passionate about it, but that is not the same thing as my passion and my purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I do believe there's something to be said for following your passion and whether you do that in your career or whether you create an outlet for that passion that you're balancing against your or in parallel with your career, I think it's an important thing to do for me. What I have found is that I'm passionate about things like this. I'm passionate about being able to take the things that I've learned and experienced and being able to openly communicate them to other people for them to do something with it. And so whether that is through podcasts, through speaking engagements, through mentoring, through any of those things, I have been really fortunate to be where I am in my life because of the, of the things that people have done to help me get there. And so my intention is to be very thoughtful about doing the same thing for other people. Um, and therefore, as I go into 2021, I want more of my time to be around how I am taking and encapsulating things I've experienced, learned, grown from, failed from, et cetera, and sharing them with other people in as many useful ways as I can. I love that. I love it. You know, I think for me, there was this moment where I realized this year, two things. The first Mm -hmm. was I have to be much more thankful for sure. Right. Right. I mean, Karna, seriously, what we do for a profession, it's important. It is. But in the grand scheme of it all, you know, the, the, the lives and the comfort and the opportunities that we are able to experience by way of the world that we work in is something to reflect on and go, wow, oh, thank gosh, I can work from home during all this, you know, you know, I can, I've got great internet connections, you know, I don't, you know, my, you know, my phone calls aren't going off and my kids can hop on the computer and get an education and, you know, I'm, I'm in a fairly safe environment, you know, I can walk out yeah. my door and I can, you know, there's things I have to worry about as a person of color, but generally speaking, in the like, grand scheme of things, you're like, gosh, I've got to be fairly, we thankful. live a really, we live a really good life, Jason, yeah. like in the grand scheme of things, we live a really good life. And I, that I, I am totally with you. That has come into clear, crystal clear focus for me this year. I mean, even when I think about it through the lens of, you know, my, my colleagues and my partners like yourself who have wife and kids and are all now trapped into one household. In some people's instance, what would have otherwise been a one bedroom or two bedroom for two, three, four, five people, all having to coexist in this space every day, 24 hours a day together. Even that, I, you know, I, as a single woman, I don't even have that. So I have an amazing place to live. I have a stable job that I both am good at and feel valued in and am able to, you know, achieve great things with. I have friends and family that are all, you know, generally healthy, generally living well. And to your point, right now, I could literally operate from anywhere. I could go anywhere right now and do my job as long as I'm being safe and healthy in the way that I get there. How many people 
can really say that. But if you had asked me this time a year ago, you know, Karna, you know, what do you like most about your life, et cetera, et cetera, I wouldn't have complained, but I certainly wouldn't have appreciated the privileges that I now have in the way that I do because this pandemic has put it into such focus. I am totally with you. Well, I, I take you, and I hope you take this as a compliment, but not too presumptive, but I take you as a person that generally speaking is quite gracious and thankful and appreciative. And I wanna maybe go back a little bit and learn about where that comes from. Talk a little bit about your upbringing, you know, and help yeah. me maybe understand about some of those earlier influences. And I'll, I'll maybe lead the question a bit in that when I think about this year, Karna, you know what's been re really weird and almost cosmic every time I start to become reflective about the year? I attach my growth to a human or an experience or something that I've kind of gone through that makes me realize, wow, thank gosh that happened. Thank gosh that person pulled me to a side and gave me some advice or spent time with me. I don't look at it as whatever is happening in my mind or whatever growth is occurring. I don't look at that as this sort of monolith of an experience. I'm not controlling it. There's been so much influence around me and I'm mm -hmm. super grateful for that upbringing and the people that have taken time to, 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 to help motivate me and inspire me. So uh, I just wanted to learn a little bit about your upbringing and maybe some of your early influences that have maybe kind of shaped this sort of personality and value that you bring into your relationships. Uh, well, first, thank you uh, for the compliment. I do uh, try to be a gracious person. And, you know, I grew up in the South, in, in Atlanta, for the most part, you know, I, I spent my early years in Indianapolis, but went to Atlanta in fifth grade and then, you know, graduated uh, high school out of Atlanta, et cetera. So I basically consider myself from Atlanta. Hmm. And it was with my mom, my brother and myself. So single mom, two kids. And she did a lot to kind of sacrifice for us to be able to have the best opportunities in our future as we could. So she put us into private school, even though we were like an upper lower class, lower middle class family that couldn't really afford it. She worked two jobs, went into debt, got you know financial aid, all those things in order to put us in the best position to succeed. And I was in those situations, constantly surrounded by people who had more of everything than I had and then I could that I could experience. And you know, for for various reasons, I spent a lot of my early years um, thinking I was lesser than and trying to achieve, trying to feel equal to, trying to elevate myself to, et cetera. And so when you when you talk and, and I don't necessarily feel that way today, but when you talk about, you know, my perspective on generosity, my perspective on how I share my time, how I share my knowledge, et cetera. It's all rooted in the fact that I don't want other people who may um, come from also an upbringing that may not be socioeconomically equivalent to people um, that they, they may be around. I don't want them to ever feel like they don't have the tools, the resources, et cetera to be able to sit at the same table, achieve the same things, have the same experiences, et cetera. And so I'm constantly wanting to do more to help other people not feel what I felt when I was you know, 14 years old 
constantly feeling like I was trying to to fit in and be equal to the people around me. This concept of um, you didn't say this, so I'll build on it, but it reminds me of a concept of um, we. I've talked about this with many other people. Something I I'm very open about dealing with is imposter syndrome for me. Yep. This is yep. this is my this yep. is my own thing. I nope. don't want to shed that I'm on there. anyone nope. else. I'm there with you. <laughs> um, I talk about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. <laughs> and I'm I'm really fortunate. Um, I don't want to name drop, but and I talk about people that have inspired me in the industry, at least um, Bill Konigsberg of Horizon Media. I'll never forget something he told me. And as I'm talking, I hate these podcasts because I'm like so emotional, like I almost like want to tear up. But I remember he told me once when I left Horizon, which is still family to me, he I asked him, I always ask everyone I work with, Karna, and I put this on a podcast because I hope young people listen Whenever I come and go into any professional or even personal in engagement, I always ask the people that I'm close to, what can I do better? You know, I always ask. I never come and leave and think that I've got to figure it figured out. I just ask, what can I do better? I like to grow from words from other people. And he told me yeah. the key to your success is to just be more of who you are. And he started to explain to me in a very careful and loving way how when I failed, I was pretending and he could see it. You know, he 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 could feel he could feel it in these board meetings or in these client pitches. He can feel mm -hmm. whenever I left me in the mm -hmm. shadows to try to conform to this environment, mm -hmm. it would bring out just this muddy version of who I am. And it wasn't helpful, you know? Yeah. And it, it really inspired me to think about how to be more of who I am so that A, I feel better about myself because that's a critical part, I think, in life success is your own belief in who you are and comfort in who you are. And then how that creates a window of others to actually engage with you because there's no like haze, you know? And yeah. so I guess I just wanted to kind of build on that sort of concept of bringing our whole selves into our relationships and how maybe this year or so, or even beyond has really contributed to you bringing that thought process into your engagements. Yeah, no, so, you know, the imposter syndrome um, point that you started this with is, is definitely real. And it's, it's something that I, in my career and in my life, have struggled with um, as, I was, as I've been maturing. And it's still something that every now and then creeps into the back of my mind, right? So um, that's real. Uh, for me, it's, it hasn't necessarily been about bringing my real or full authentic self, because that's something that I don't know how to do any other way, to be yes. honest with you. Yes. I haven't really, uh, <laughs> I, I, I adapt for sure, but it's always the real me that you see and that you get. Um, so for me, the imposter syndrome has more to do with the second part of what you were talking about, which is believing in myself mm. and um, being able to see all of the strengths and all of the positives that I bring and that I emanate. So there's something that I've been doing a lot of recently, which is kind of that um, wellness, uh, what's it called? Like um, mindfulness and, yes. you know, participating in a lot of mindfulness activities using apps like Calm and Headspace and Equilibrium and a couple of others. And one of the things that it, it's constantly talking about is how you change the way that you think about some of the thoughts that come into your head. 
So that imposter syndrome is rooted in you've got these thoughts that are creeping into your into your head. And those thoughts are a certain perspective. And if you want to have like a healthier relationship with yourself, you have to learn how to hear and pivot those thoughts, right? And reframe that perspective and not let the negative self-talk rule your perspectives. And so one of the things I've been doing a lot of is learning how to identify them and reframe them so that all those little doubts that creep into the back of your mind, especially if you're having a bad week or a bad month where there's just been a series of things that have not gone your way, not letting that negative self-talk take over your perspective in the way that you think about yourself and learning to reframe the situation into a healthier outlook versus um, the, the, the different things that your internal biases may frame them into. That has been game changer for me. I'm not great at it. I'm still getting better at it as, you know, we all have our journeys, but it's been game changer for me. Well, it's a, it's an interesting sort of pathway into this concept of quote unquote failure, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I go there because yeah, you know, maybe we're kindred spirits because I'm a big preacher almost about mindfulness and, and just self-reflection. And uh, I'll, I'll, if I'd highly doubt this woman will ever hear this podcast, but uh, Tara Brock is a, a lady that I listen to a lot and she's an expert in a sort of mindfulness space. And she talks about mm-hmm. this concept of, of rain. And uh, I, I believe it stands for recognize, acknowledge, investigate, and nurture you know, in the process of sort of recognizing your behavior, you know, or what's impacting you just stopping. Sometimes we're moving so fast. We, we just don't stop. Right. We, it's, it's, it's like you're on a train, you know, if you're in New York city and you're on a subway, right. It's really hard to see all the people inside of it when the train's just going by, you know, but something about when it stops, you can actually look and see who's on a train, what's happening there. Now you can sort of assess it, right? And you go through that phase. And then at the end, you kind of nurture it and go, all right, I've come to accept what this is. How can I sort of nurture this, accept it, let it become who I am and not have all these like multiple conversations of doubt going on in my head. And yeah. it kind of, I got to that mindfulness space partly because of failure, Karna, you know, I, I'm pretty vulnerable about all of it. Ooh, I'm like, I still don't know how I have a job. I have not been the greatest at what I've done. <laughs> Everyone else I'll talk to is like so good at what they do. And I'm like, man, people must have really given me a lot of chances because I, I have not been great at anything. But I remember. I highly doubt that. And I'm hearing self t- negative self-talk in what you're saying. Keep <laughs> as, as we talk about it, right? <laughs> but I, uh, I can just remember this moment. Uh, you know, 2015, you know, there's so many things going on in my life then, but it was, you know, and my wife is, we're very open about it, having some trouble at my, at my home with my marriage. And, you know, at work, I was on a plane every week. I was working in New York, but living in Chicago, and it just brought on this anxiety. And I started to have moments of failure at work. And I started to have moments of failure at home, you know, where I had to kind of step back and go, all right, how do I reinvent myself and kind of come out of this? And so I've always learned more from failing, less from mm-hmm. 
these great stories of success. Remember that time we really killed it? That's exactly how I grew. Something about kind of hitting the bottom, for me at least, has inspired me to become better. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that word failure, you know, and, and how yeah. you think about it. And when I say failure, I'm not talking about what other people think. Like, that's not the idea. I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking yeah. about you and yourself. And you think about, you know, these were moments or these were experiences in which I really grew from because I didn't deliver to my expectations or my sort of, you know, hopes and dreams. How, how have you thought about that word, word failure and its impact on, on your life? So I will tell you one of the things that I get, that I talk about often, which I put in the camp of failure, but then I don't. So bear with me for a second here. It goes in the direction of what you're talking about, which is I'm divorced. Um, I married a great person, my high school sweetheart, when I was 24 years old. And we then split up about 10 or so years after that. And, and, I'm, and I'm now divorced. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I will look upon that situation and put it in the bucket of failure. Yeah, exactly. Air quotes. I'll put it in that bucket. But in reality, to your point, I don't know that it's really a failure because so often we think of failure as you either passed or failed succeeded or didn't, achieved the destination or the outcome, or you didn't. And it's this binary comparison. Mm -hmm. So then when I apply that to my marriage, it's, it either worked or it didn't. I was in it or I'm not. I'm now divorced, so therefore I failed. And in reality, I I now can look at it and say, I didn't fail. Um, It wasn't the right thing for either of us. And we made a conscious choice that for the better of both of us and both of our lives, we should be apart. And I can now look upon it and say, you know, I learned from it. I've grown as a person. I've grown in terms of, you know, how I think about partnership, how I think about others, how I think about lots of things. And therefore, when I am ever in a healthy relationship again, there are things that I will have taken out of that marriage experience and that divorce experience that will make me a better person and a better partner in the future. But I often for many years thought about it in that binary lens of pass fail, it worked or it didn't. And and that's, you know, I look at that um, to your point of you've grown and learned a lot from failure in the exact same way. And that something may not have achieved what we wanted it to, whether it was an initiative that we're doing or, you know, the job that we were trying to get or whatever it was. And we look at it as just a binary failure and therefore, you know, it crushes us. But from a spirit of resilience, every failure is a growth opportunity. And to that point that we were just talking about, about reframing in our mindsets, the question is, what are we taking from it? And therefore making the next thing that we do for ourselves, for our family, for our job, whatever the the scenario is, better out of the things we got out of it. And I try to be very conscious and very intentional about that. I love, I love the first, thank you for sharing, number one. And I love the association of, or at least your communication about this binary way of thinking, seriously. It's troublesome, actually, 
because I think that's something that I've really balanced in 2020 is this opinion, that opinion, this party versus that party, that political view versus this. It's, everything is like one side, one way or the other. There, mm-hmm. the, 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 this concept of like compromise and, the, and this concept of um, learning and growing and respecting each other's values and views and perspective, mm-hmm. it, maybe it never existed and uh, maybe it never existed, but it just feels like 2020 was one of those years. And I hope we can change it going into the future where this sort of binary relationship of perspective has thrived and taken over so much of our sort of daily perspective. But as we think about that, there's an opportunity, I think, to learn and grow and start to collaborate more. And when I look at this upcoming year, 2021 and beyond, I've really thought a lot about how can we start to take advantage of the things that we've experienced this year and apply it to the future? I'll give you some examples. Mm-hmm. Do we all need to be in the office every single day? Probably not. Maybe that helps us with our health. Maybe I don't have to not visit the doctor for years because I'm afraid to take a day off from work or not go mm-hmm. into the office. You know, um, child care for me as a parent i've got my two young sons you know and thinking about how much more i appreciate child care and what they bring into the world you know you think about uh, once that i talk to people about is of the i think there are 10 million unemployed folks in the united states as of last month uh six million of those people were working women and the reason that many of these women are not working is because of these work dynamics. Shouldn't mm-hmm. that change? So I look at a lot of what we, we've experienced in 2020 as an opportunity to actually bring growth and prosperity and a new perspective on the year. You know, And I just wanted to know for you, as you kind of look ahead, how have you thought about an evolved sort of, this is going to sound like a philosophical question, so you can apply it to work, your life, society, mm-hmm. but how do you think about an evolved way of living and being as we go into the future? Because I think we've discovered that a lot of the shit we were doing before wasn't healthy, you know? Yeah. And so we yeah. have a chance to rewrite that narrative. And how does that narrative sound for you? Yeah, no, it, it kind of goes, it's a great question. And I don't know that I have a super concrete answer, but I'll tell you the things I'm thinking about. Fair. It fair. goes back to something that you and I were talking about earlier on in the conversation, which is my passion um, and intention and, and living with more intention. Um, as I look ahead at 2021 and, you know, I just, my birthday was a couple weeks ago and I just turned 44. Congratulations. And thank you. I'm, I'm kind of at a stage in my life and my career where I feel like I have the, not only the privilege, but frankly, the, the personal requirement to live with more personal intention. And so as I look into 2021, I want to make more choices that are about what am I passionate about? What makes me feel good and brings me joy? What makes me feel healthy, strong, whether it be physically or emotionally? What is doing good things 
and driving impact for myself, my family, the people around me, the community around me? And how do I ensure that the choices that I'm making put that as equal or higher priority to choices that are about my job in its purest sense, my career in its purest sense. Now, when I can find those moments where those two things are the same thing, that's even better. But in the instance where I am pitting them against each other, mm. I need for this side, this intention side to have equal or greater value, which has not necessarily always been how I've made that prioritization. So that for me is what 2021 is going to look like. I like it. I'm going to only because you're so wise. I don't know if that's super clear, by the way, but hopefully no, it is. It's very clear. It's actually very clear. And, I, and and if you don't mind me building on it, which is where I was going to go, I was going to stay with that because I actually know you're very wise. And I, I actually think there are a number of young people that will listen to this and they may want to double click into what you said, which was very clear. And if And if I were to sort of summarize it, I think when you express your vision for 2021, I think what you're telling yourself is, there is an opportunity for me to start to create a much more harmonious balance between my purpose and what I'm delivering in my professional environment, right? And so I don't always know how they show up. Sometimes they may not always meet, but they don't have to live separately. My passion, my purpose, what I want to bring into the world doesn't have to live in this sort of abstract world that doesn't overlay or intercept with the day-to-day engagements I have either professionally or personally And I want to try to bring those two together in more harmony. And it's probably a smart decision for many other people to do as well. And if I got that sort of right, then I think a lot of young people will actually ask, Karna, how are you starting to do that? You know, how are you starting? How are you starting to bring that mindset into your daily practice? And I know that that answer or thought it's still developing. So I'm not expecting you to have the, mm-hmm. the the Yoda answer per se, but I think it will be great to kind of hear how have you started down that journey from a practical perspective? Yep. So I, let me, let me first say, I, I think you're right in terms of that harmony. Um, but I want to be super clear that harmony may in some instances exist because in my job and my role, I can do something that is also connected to that purpose and that intention and that balance. Or the harmony may may come from the fact that outside of that job and that role, I have an opportunity that I am going to find a way to prioritize above the job expectation or need that may otherwise be a, a counter in my time needs associated with it. So so it could come in either scenario. The other thing I will say is the reason behind it is that my whole self, and I assume this is the case with many people, but my whole self only feels fully fulfilled when I am also creating impact Mm. around me. And while I absolutely lead a team that does great work and we drive great impact for our business. And I'm very proud of what we're able to do as a team when I'm not also balancing that with impact on my family, impact on my community, impact in these other areas. I find that my overall well-being balance is just never quite right. Mm. I just never feel completely fulfilled 
I never feel completely in balance with myself. And it's because I'm not really fulfilling inside of the cup, the other side of what makes me feel good. Mm. And so that's why this is so important. And so there are a couple things that, that I am starting to do and starting to think about. One of them is um, acknowledging that I don't need to put these two things at odds against each other, which is what I have historically done. And acknowledging that I should not feel guilty or badly about wanting to prioritize this other side of what's so important to who I am as a person and taking, making choiceful times where I'm putting it above the, the job or the job task. Hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm leaving anything on the table at the job. It just means that I'm not putting the job over literally everything else. Absolutely. All of the time. Hmm. Say that. One so, I'm like, I'm like, wow. <laughs> That's one of those church moments when you're like, yes, say that again. Oh, so, I didn't mean it. So I've made choices. No, you're okay. You're okay. So I've made choices. For instance, um, when I decided that I wanted to do this, I've, managed my calendar differently. I've worked to prioritize time slots that can actually allow me to do things like this podcast Mm. and prioritize this podcast as this is what my eight o'clock meeting is going to be. And yes, it means that I'm probably not reviewing X, Y, or Z thing team that my needs thing that my team needs me to at eight o'clock, but you know what? I will find another time to do it or another way to do it, but I'm not going to not do the podcast as Mm. an example. Um, So creating boundaries, defining what those boundaries are and ensuring that I am managing myself to them and holding myself equally accountable to that as I would to anything else that I have in the job and wherever possible, making sure that the people around me know what my intentions are, what my boundaries are and continuously uh, delivering against that so that I've set the expectation just like I like every behavior I have sets an expectation. People expect that I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the job done because all of my behaviors have defined a very clear expectation of who I am as a business person and a person who is going to help a team deliver great outputs. I need to deliver that same level of expectation setting when it comes to this part of me that's around my purpose, my passion, and my very intentional drive towards striking this harmonious balance. And so that is where my focus is right now, how I'm helping to define those expectations hold myself accountable to them, ensure that the people around me know them and then deliver against them just like I would in the career. Oh, oh my gosh. That, yeah. As I listen, I'm listening to this in the future and I I'm listening to it in like May of 2021 and I'm going, I'm so happy Karna shared those words of wisdom because you know, you, 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 it's a daily practice, you know, it's a daily practice, right. You know, and, you know, I joke with friends and colleagues about, you know, the, the email vortex, you know, you start the day and you're just like, whoa, wait, what, what, what where is the day? I'm, I'm, I'm just responding to stuff, you know, and, you know, being able to prioritize your time so that you're achieving self-fulfillment, I think is, is really key. So uh, I want to start to close with a couple of questions for you so that you can get on with the rest of the priority of the day. But I want to ask you, you said something to me about, well, two things, one, very committed to your work and also uh, a single, very successful black woman in our world today. And I wanted to ask 
where are you finding inspiration? You know, for me, so my inspiration can come from, quite honestly, I just look at my boys and I go, I got to straighten up because I can see these guys are not doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing what I just did yesterday. So that's my inspiration. Step up, get it done. If they see that in me, they'll start to deliver the things that they're capable of. But I wanted to know when you look around you, whether it be books, whether it be people, whether it be something you've maybe engaging with from a media perspective, uh, or even just someone in your life, how are you finding inspiration, especially because we're so isolated these days? We don't have these serendipitous sort of, I'll pass you in a hallway. Oh, that really got me fired up. Thank gosh I saw Karen the other day and she got me thinking about something that's interesting. Like we don't have that type of experience. Um, so I just wanted to know where and how are you finding inspiration to just continue down your journey these days? That's a great question. And I don't know if my answer, it sounds odd to me, but it's my reality. I am actually finding a lot of inspiration lately through social and podcast, particularly around um, people who are creators and entrepreneurs. Mm. So um, if you think about the, the career path that I've taken, it's very kind of classic marketing, brand management, like everything that I've done has kind of gone through that, that kind of classic corporate business lens for the most mm. part. And a lot of the um, inspiration that I'm finding lately are, are, are from people who are just doing what they do with a, a hustle and a vigor that's just all about what they are passionate about and going deeply into what they're passionate about. So like some folks might look at somebody's TikTok or an Instagram video and be like, what in the world are you doing? And I am looking at some of these things and instead saying, oh my gosh, you were so passionate about X mm. that you went and made 50 videos about it. Now I want to understand more about you and what led you there. And it's like, it's giving me all of this energy around what do I care about? What am I excited about? And therefore, what is going to like free my mind up to go and do something about whatever that thing is. So I'm getting a lot of inspiration kind of that way, to be honest with you. Um, it sounds, I know it sounds crazy, but in an isolated world where I'm seeing people on video all the time, it's kind of how I'm, how I'm finding new perspectives, seeing new things, seeing different types of people doing different types of things, et cetera. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. No, I've, uh, it's like with the pandemic, I joke about, um, I find random reasons to take hour long trips to the hardware store just to like get outside. And then on my way, you know, I'm listening to the wildest like podcasts and they've almost become exactly. like, like conversations, you know, it's like, Oh, totally. like, <laughs> like, and you're just like, oh. <laughs> you know, and, and just taking time to just kind of discover other perspectives. I think is kind of key. And it's one of my mantras, you know, is just, you know, people ask me, Hey, Jason, if you were to kind of describe, you know, your sort of values, I always tell people for me, it, it's really two things. You know, the, the first for me is, you know, don't talk about it, just be about it. You know, I try not to like open my mouth unless I have a very well formed plan to deliver on what came out mm -hmm. of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And then I can accept the repercussions of the words that I express, um, you know, and then the other is just like, don't stop learning. You know, I'm, I've convinced, mm -hmm. I've convinced myself and 
I, I need to Christian Borges always tells me to like stop yeah. like he's like stop with the self-deprecation um but I say it because I just do really feel like I don't know enough you know and like I'm always trying to learn something yeah yeah from, from like it doesn't matter how old or young you are there's just so much to learn and so I wanted to maybe ask you a similar question as we kind of close our conversation is you know what are words that you live by and, and a mantra that you think really defines the energy, the spirit and the value that you bring into the world? So I don't know if I have just one, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a couple things that I try to live by. Okay. Um, w- one area of it we've talked about today, learn every day and give every day. Um, that's really important to me. What is also kind of newly elevated is kind of if you think about the, the airline mantra of put your mask on first before Mm. helping out others, Um, ensuring that my personal foundation is strong. I am the healthiest that I can be physically and emotionally, ensuring that I am taking care of myself in order to take care of the people around me versus taking care of the people around me at the expense of myself which is something that particularly as it relates to the people I'm closest to, my family, et cetera, um, has not always been how I've, I've managed myself. And then most recently, do what actually feels good and what feels right, not just what I believe I'm supposed to do. Stop.